Welcome again to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, a Dean of Metal. Today, we are once again without the services of our resident metalhead, Chris K. But this week, we are joined by our special guest, Sklo. Sklo and I met last year when Sklo played on my tournament baseball team in Phoenix, and we realized we have a lot in common, especially in the realm of heavy metal. Sklo, welcome to Debating Metal. Thanks, Dean. I really appreciate it. I appreciate joining you. I appreciate the invite. I'm really excited to discuss our topics tonight um, and get down to it. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome, and thanks for joining again. Uh, so, as you mentioned, tonight we are going to be debating what we think are the best metal musicians to make the perfect metal band. So, before anything, we're going to pick each of the the, the five musicians. and So, the musician will be vocalist, lead guitarist, Bass, uh, rhythm guitarist, bassist, and drummer. We're, for this discussion, as you and I already discussed pre- previous, we're going to leave out keyboardists. Um, and so from there, we're each going to pick five musicians from each of those categories. And then um, we're going to see if there's any duplicates or anything like that. And then we're going to basically debate which ones we want to, you know, say this better than this guy and this guy's better than that guy. And then say okay well we'll get rid of him and then we come down to a consensus of what we think the perfect vocalist or musician for each of those positions are we also have our big four tonight which is going to be our big four concert experiences so we'll get to that at the end um is there anything you want to say ahead of time no i i i, I will say this it was really hard this list was hard to uh narrow down i'll say uh there's a lot of great talented musicians and vocalists out there uh that i love and i'm sure that you love as well and uh, it was very hard uh, to just break it down to to five in each each group in each category um, or, or or each position in the band. Um, so yeah, I have my list, um, and you know we'll go through it. And uh, and I think uh, I have a good smorgasbord list of people uh, from all different types of metal, and I think that's uh, that's key as well. So I think uh, I'm good to go, man. Cool. I completely agree with yeah. you. It was, it was real difficult to come up with this list because it wasn't just about, oh, you know, it could have been the, the, the standard bearers that everyone always votes for. But I don't think that's that's kind of what we're trying to achieve in this particular debate. So without any yeah. further ado, let's go ahead and start with vocalists. So And real quick, before you say yeah. and what I want to say on that is, is and one thing that's clear for me and this is what I, I try to uh, kind of eliminate is it might not be like one of my favorite drummers it might not be one of my favorite vocalists because they might not fit in the realm of what we're talking about with metal here so i just want to kind of touch on that as well because i think that's important that you know we're trying to find the perfect metal band that we feel like we fit the band that we're trying to create i guess you can say absolutely totally understand yeah, yeah. that now um go ahead and give us a list of your your five favorite vocalists and the reasons why you chose them Okay, you got it. So I'm just going to name them and then kind of go by a by individual after wet. So not, it's in no particular order, uh, the vocalist that I chose. Um, but I did choose uh, Phil Ansano, uh, as we know, from Pantera, uh, mostly from Pantera, but he's had other side projects, uh, Down, Super Joint Ritual. Um, uh, Bruce Dickinson, I think we all know him, mostly from Iron Maiden, of course. Uh, the metal god himself, Rob Halford uh, from Judas Priest. Uh, and I did choose uh, maybe guys you wouldn't think in, the, in metal in general, but they have a metal sense to them, is uh, Maynard James Keenan from Tool, uh, Perfect Circle, and Pucifer. And uh, honestly, this is my favorite little vocalist, and I think is uh, Wayne Staley from Alice in Chains. Um, and those are the five I chose. Again, it was really hard to break down. I other guys 
that were really close to making the list, but um, those are the five that I put in, again, in no particular order. Uh, and the reason I chose them, honestly, individually, Phil Anselmo, I mean, he's one of the best metal locals out there. I think he's been around forever. He knows how to hit the notes. He's he's just solid across the board. Um, that band is just, it's been around forever. And and, and he's, he's great at what he does. Uh, and he's great. And also the thing, the big part about this is not just a vocalist himself, is their stage presence also. And I've seen them live many a times before they broke up. And now, of course, we know they're touring again. Um, and he's such a great, stage presence up there on the on the stage uh, bruce dickinson i don't know what else to say he, he hits every note he's 60 some years old now i don't know if he's even in his 70s and he could just still hit the notes um as it is uh, rob halford same thing i think he's over 70 and he could still hit them and he's just been uh, a solid vocalist you know for, for the last 40 50 years um then we get into two a man james keenan and lane staley uh, they're not, you know, they're, they're metal, but you know, different types of metal, I would say. And I just love their tone, um, of their voice and the way they sing and they can hit notes as well. And I just think their stage presence is great. I think like Manor James Keenan, honestly, if you've seen them to alive, I've seen them and I've seen them purposefully. Usually is in the back of the back on his little platform, but there's a presence about him on that platform when he's performing live that you're just, you can't take your eyes off the guy. And Lane Staley, unfortunately, is no longer with us, but um, when he was, I've seen him live, you know, I got to see him live one time, unfortunately. And uh, he was just, just hit it out of the ballpark every time with, with that. And then when he did the album with Mad Season, um, and, you know, one thing, if you ever have not seen it, the unplugged version with that they did for MTV, it's just one of the best performances I've ever seen live from a, from a vocalist. Um, so those are my five uh, that I chose. Um, I know it's going to be tough to whittle down. Uh, I'd love to hear your five and the reasons that you chose your five. Well, I got to tell you, I'm very impressed with, with uh, the, the five that you picked. And it's funny, uh, just a couple months ago, we actually did a Alice in Chains Greatest Hits, and we talked a lot about, especially when we were doing the grunge episodes, too. We did two weeks of grunge. And we definitely talked a lot about Lane and Mad Season and Allison Chains. And the same things that you said, we, we were high on the fact that uh, that, that Allison Chains Unplugged was an amazing show. Uh, so, yeah. And, and Lane, so, so in my vocalist, the way I chose him, um, I decided that I was not going to use anyone that passed away. Uh, and, and, and now, because at first I did have Lane as one of my five. Uh, and yeah. I also had um, just you know like like a spoiler alert. It's, I'm not going to mention him, but I don't I don't have Randy Rhodes on my list of lead guitarists, and he is my favorite guitar player. Um, but yep. I cho- I chose to take him off my list because he had yep. passed away, and that was yep. that was only that was a self requirement. That wasn't anything that you needed to worry yeah, yeah. about. Yeah. Um, so yeah. moving on, I'm going to pick my five guys or um, announce my five, and. Yep. And the funny thing about your five is like I they're so um, eclectic in all their own ways, and it, at the same time I was like, okay, do do I want to go this route or do I want to go that route? So, um, and it was something very similar to what you did in terms of of your five. So for my five, uh, in no particular order. Rob Halford from Judas Priest, Fight, and okay. Halford, uh, as you yep. mentioned yourself. Uh, number two for me was Corey Taylor okay. from Slipknot Absolutely. and from Stone Sour, as well as his own solo band. Then we got Joey Belladonna from Anthrax. 
Uh, he also had when when he got fired from Anthrax, he did a side project called Belladonna, and I and I loved it because he was not a metal vocalist in terms of that's not the kind of music he grew up listening to, but yet he yeah. went out of his way to make a metal band. It wasn't thrashy, but they were pretty heavy, and he released yeah. a, an album called Belladonna. It was a pretty good album. Um, number four for me is uh, Todd Latore, the current singer for Queensrÿche. Not a lot. I mean, a lot of people out there know that Queensrÿche has a new singer that they fired Jeff Tate. But no, you know, there's some people out there who still have yet to give Todd a chance. And if they go out to see Queensrÿche, they're going to see themselves a really good show, especially if you're an old Queensrÿche fan, because they play a lot of old music. I mean, this current tour, they're doing, I want to say, um, it's like five songs from The Warning or three or four songs from The Warning five songs from the new album and then there's you know sprinkle of songs in between but nothing other than the new album i don't think there's anything newer than empire okay so it's pretty interesting and so yeah it's really cool i mean we um chris k and i saw them just a i want to say within the last two months two months ago they opened up for judas priest and they played like four songs off of the warning a uh, couple, one, one or two new songs. They had a couple of songs from their newer albums. It was a great. I mean, they only did ten songs, but it was a great set list for ten songs. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And number five, he's not a wild card per se, but he is one that maybe not a lot of you out there know. But some of the, our friends that live over in the uh, the uh, Scandinavian area of the world, Yanis Papadopoulos, who is the lead vocalist for Beast in Black. Okay. Um. So they used to be. Um, he used to, well, no, not him, but the band, um, the guitar player used to be in the band called Battle Beast, and he he left, made his own band called Beast in Black, and he, he's got this singer. This guy is amazing. I mean, he can hit the notes, but he's got almost um, a feminine touch to his voice, uh, but he can really hit those notes, and so that's my number five singer uh, for, okay. for today. All right. All right, so we have one in common, Rob Halford. Yeah. Okay. The, the metal god. Um, the metal god himself. So one of the things um, that uh, I kind of tried to steer away from, and it's funny because Corey Taylor's on my list, but I tried to stay away from the vocalists that did the guttural sound. Mm-hmm. Because in, yeah. my, in my opinion, yes, you can have that guttural sound. Um, and, and, and that's pretty much the dominant vocal style of today's metal. But I think when you're talking about the perfect metal band, you need to have someone who's got the pipes. Yeah, I do agree with that. And yes. so I left off Bruce because as much as I agree is he's one of the best vocalists, metal vocalists to ever live, you know, him along with Ronnie James Dio. Um, I, 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 for me, Bruce, I love Bruce to death. But in, in, the, in the realm in, of perfect metal band, he's too operatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, yes, where, he is. So I I, that's that. the reason uh-huh. why I left him off my list. Okay. So. Yeah, I hear you there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was saying with you with Corey Taylor, um, I was I didn't put him in there, but I'm very close to putting Randy Blythe in there from Lamb of God. But he, because I love him, but he's kind of the sense with Corey Taylor as well. He has... I think he has the pipes, but not the pipes that we're looking for for the metal, traditional metal band um, in here. So, um, so yeah, it's interesting. We have one similar person, and I like that we all 
I, I think we both have a, an eclectic group of singers, which I think is really impressive that we both kind of went outside the box a little bit and just didn't say, okay, it's traditional metal, metal, metal. You know, we had that little grouping there of traditional, um, not as traditional um, lead singers. What I mean more for like the metal genre. So um, why don't we go ahead and so we've got nine vocalists on this list. All right. Um, why don't we look at the list and say, okay, Who's better yeah. than the next guy that is basically going to say, well, this guy's not going to be in the band. All right. So you're okay. not necessarily familiar with Yanis, right? I'm not. I'll be totally honest okay. with you. It doesn't mean that, you know, I love, I'm going to, once we're done this podcast, I'm going to check him out because I want to hear some of his stuff. No, and, yeah. de- definitely check yeah. out his stuff. So here's the funny thing about him. I'll, I'll go ahead and drop him off the list. Um, but the way I heard him the first time was he was singing a cover uh, of, um, let it go. <laughs> okay, <laughs> from, uh, from, from the movie, Disney, yeah, from, from the Frozen. Disney movie, from Frozen, yeah. and it was amazing. I mean, okay. he was hitting the notes. Yeah. I mean, just like the, the the girl did in the song. And it, at first, I thought it was a girl, but then I saw the video of him <laughs> yeah. doing it, and and the, it's like studio work video. And yeah. I'm like, wow, this dude can really hit these notes. Um, so then I checked out the band, and and I was turned on oh. to Beast in Black by uh, by Chris. So, okay. Um, yeah, I'll definitely check them out. Check him out and them out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'll go hear, ahead. I want to hear that voice. I, I okay. would think that because of his, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, lack of popularity, he would mm-hmm. probably be one that I, I said the other eight guys are probably gonna gonna be able to to be in front of him as far as that's yeah. concerned. So, who do you think okay. you would say is is uh, say someone on your list that you would say someone else is better than? Man, it's so hard, right? Because <laughs> no, you love yeah, these exactly. guys. They're like your like they're like your babies here. They're like your kids, to be honest. Um, <laughs> exactly. I would say, uh, to fit what we're looking for, I guess I would say I would drop Maynard. Um, you know, I think he's a great vocalist, but I don't know if he'd fit the what we're looking, the all around metal singer. Uh, I think he's got a great voice. I think he can carry notes uh, and hit what he needs to hit. But I think looking at the metal piece of it. And I think, you know, a lot of your listeners are probably obviously familiar with him and, and the band. Um, and, but I would say I'll, I would, I'll drop, I'll drop Maynard from my, from my list. Okay. So, um, um, you know, looking at that, now we've got seven guys left, right? And so I, I look at your list and I see Rob, Bruce, Phil, and, and like, I already, you know, gave my reasons not to have Bruce. So I think we should, I mean, it depends on you how much how much you want to defend them. But do you want to have that operatic style of vocalist leading the pack as far as the perfect metal band, or do you think someone else is better? I mean, with your what you're saying, I definitely um, I see your points with that, um, and I, I definitely take those. I I think of certain songs of the band and what he sings, um, and compare it to like what the other guys do, and even on the guys on your list as well. And, um, I mean, I'm okay. I'm definitely okay with that. Cause I, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with, um, the other guys, to be honest, that I have and that you have to choose, um, as our, as our lead, lead vocalist. Okay. So I'm, I'm fair with that. Um, right, so, so can yeah. someone from my list that you think may, may, shouldn't be up there. So you have, again, you have of course, Rob, um, and then who are the other three? Or other uh, two, or other three. Yeah, you Corey have, Taylor, um, Joey Bell, Corey Taylor, and Todd Latour. Joey. Okay, probably from that list, 
I'd say Todd Tory. Um, and, and, and there, the reason why for me is I, I do, I don't, I'm not familiar with him as much as, but I am, I've heard him and I think he's a great vocalist. I still obviously love Jeff Tate, to be honest. I love his voice and I love his sound. Um, and I think the list that you have, uh, I think Joey's great. I think Corey's great. And I think obviously Rob's great. So let's, let's take him off your list. Um, and then, um, and then from my remaining two that aren't Rob, I would let you choose between Phil and Lane who you'd want to maybe eliminate. I think, you know, based on your list, uh, I think the fact that we both have Rob and the fact that, that Phil is more metal, I guess, than Lane, I would say we, we would probably drop Lane. Okay. Yeah, and I, and I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. I think uh, that's good. So, so we're basically down to four, right? Or th- we're we down to Rob, four guys. Yeah. So we Rob, have Rob, Phil, Joey, and Corey. Correct. So I would, if if you don't mind, I would think I would take Corey off the list. To be honest, um, I don't. I think that between Rob, Joey, and Phil, I think we could we could find the perfect vocalist for our metal band. I love Corey, but I think those three fit uh, a little bit better. Okay. Into what we're looking for. Totally understand that. I get I get how that works. So we've got Phil, we've got Joey, and we've got Rob Halford, the metal god. Um, yeah. I think we're just leading to what we both decided from the beginning here. We we had the same. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think I think <laughs> so. I mean, between I'm Phil and Corey, and, and I mean Phil and Joey and Rob. I mean, honestly, we both have Rob, and I think that that enough yeah. in 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 and of itself says everything we really need to know. And I love Joey. I think he's a great vocalist. And honestly, uh, when you said his name, I was like, wow, I can't believe I forgot Joey on my list, to be honest. Um, just because, you know, it was, it was hard to cut down everybody on here. So, so I mean, I'm fine moving on from Phil. I think he's a, he'd be a great person to lead a band. Um, but I think it's coming down to Rob and Joey, to be honest, at the, at the end of the day here. Um, and they're both equally uh, talented enough to be leading this band on the, on the, on the, on the stage. So, I mean, I, I, obviously we both have Rob. I feel like maybe that's, that's a good choice, but obviously if you want to fight for Joey, feel free to. No, uh, I, I completely it. agree. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. I think that yeah. you know, in this particular instance, Rob, you know, obviously being the fact that both of us chose him, he is to yeah. me should be the, uh, the, the choice. Okay. All right, so I think we chose our singer. All right, the so metal we have god a himself. The metal god. Yeah. Who else can lead a metal band but the metal god himself? <laughs> uh, I think it's a great choice. All right, so we're gonna do rhythm guitarist now. You we're doing rhythm guitarist. Okay. Right. So you right. Uh, announced your five vocalists first. So I'm gonna go ahead and announce my five rhythm guitar players first. All right. Um. So. You got it. Um. In no particular order. Uh, again, uh, number one, James Hetfield from Metallica number two okay. Scott Ian from Anthrax number three Zoltan Bathory from Five Finger Death Punch uh, number four Max Cavalera from Soulfly and Sepultura fame and yep. last but not least Eric Peterson from Testament so those They're are my great. five those are great alright so we have two similar ones um, we have James Hetfield and Scott Ian I have on my list as well and then I have three other ones. I have Jeff Hanneman from Slayer. 
I have Dave Murray from Iron Maiden. And I also have one, Mikael Ockerfeld from Opeth, who is the lead singer. He's the, pretty much the creator of the band. Uh, he also does a lot of leads too. So it's, it's, but um, he is somebody that, you know, if you listen to Blackwater Park, Leper Affinity, songs, uh, Deliverance, those songs there, you'll be like blown away if you have not heard, uh, listened to Opeth before. Um, so those are the five I chose. Again, it was really hard um, with me. I'll be totally honest. I was, I had Dave Murray, Adrian Smith right there. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take the guy who's been in the band longer. So was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm just going to give it to the vet, you know? So they come, sometimes, honestly, for them, they come in a package deal for me, but, but um, they're both super talented, of course. So that was hard for me. Um, and obviously they, we know they both play leads too as well. So, but those were the five I chose um, for, for my rhythm guitar. Again, we have two that are similar. So I think, that makes us easier deciding who we choose. But I think it's fair to, if we want to talk about the other ones and say why, or if we feel like we should fight for them to be in there or have a discussion about them. Um, I, I don't mind one way or the other. Uh, I do. I've, yeah. I've heard very limited stuff from Opeth. Um, I actually, okay. I have downloaded their catalog, their discography. I've wanted to listen to them. I have not had the opportunity to really sit down and, and do that. Yeah. Um, although I really do want to, um, and that's one of those, that's one of those guys. I mean, I know Chris is a big fan of Opeth. Uh, okay. uh, I don't know if he, I would say big, big, he, he was, I guess at one point, um, or may or or may have not gotten into him as much. I know he knows who they are and he's listened to him and he likes them. I just, I don't remember how big of a fan he is. Uh, I know he's a bigger fan of other particular bands out in that same general yeah, in that genre right in that yeah genre. Um, yeah so he's, he's a big uh melodic death metal fan okay yeah so i assume he would like that yeah it has listened to them and like that so yeah you definitely need to check them out and i can give you some uh, good songs for them to listen to to start off with but they they're a phenomenal band and he's great um at what he does um leading that band so okay uh and then you do three different you had again you had uh from five finger death punch uh Zoltan. Uh, what's Zoltan? That's right. And then you had uh, who else again? I wrote notes. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Max and Eric Peterson. Oh, Max. Okay. So the funny thing about Max and the reason why uh, he stood out to me in, as far as rhythm guitar players is because, uh, like, I, I think he mentioned that a bunch of his guitars, and they're all custom, are only only have four strings. He doesn't play the oh. two high strings because he plays rhythms all the time. So he just says, "I don't play these, so why have them?" And then that's such I a, didn't realize that. Okay. <laughs> it is I didn't such a, that. that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a funny way of looking at it. You know, he's like, that yeah, really is. cause a couple of times he said that they broken and he said, don't replace it. Cause I don't play them. <laughs> so, yeah. so that, that's a pretty cool thing. So, you know, he's a that legitimate cool. rhythm guitar player. <laughs> he's a legitimate rhythm guitar. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. hilarious. So that, so you can't, you can't argue that one, I guess. Right. Right. In um, that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And Zoltan's great too. I've seen Five Finger Death live a few times, and he's just always—he always—he's powerful on stage. Always like listening to him play. I love the fact that so he plays he, a a, a, a um, explorer. I love <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Expl- explorers yeah. are my—you know—and it's—I don't think it has anything to do with James, but maybe it does subconsciously. But I've always loved the the Gibson Explorer guitar. Like, yeah. So before I knew who Metallica was, remember that. Um, 
Rick Savage plays a bass version of it. I believe yep, Phil Collin played the Ibanez version of it. Adrian Smith played an Ibanez Explorer. Yeah. Um, yep. If I'm not mistaken, um, not Pete Willis, but who's the guy that they fired in Def Leppard? Um, yeah. Oh, it wasn't Pete, Pete Willis. Pete Willis left, right? Did he get fired or did he leave? Oh, no, no, that's right. It was Pete Willis. It was Pete Willis. For some reason, I, I, I mixed his, him he up in my mind that. with Steve Clark. So, yeah, Pete Willis. I remember the vi- the early videos I remember seeing, I mean, you can see him playing that Explorer. Right. Guitar. So I love yeah. Explorer guitar. So whenever anybody plays Explorers, I'm always paying attention. <laughs> I don't know why. They're, I do like them. They're not, they're, that's right. He does. That's right. I forgot. It's old time. He does play one. He does. He does play yeah. A, and he has, the, he has the stripes yeah. on them. So that's pretty cool. Stripes on it. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and then your fifth one was again, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm taking Eric this Peterson from, from oh, Peterson. Yeah. Who plays the, yeah. uh, he played the, the same, uh, Dean guitars that, um, that uh dime bag played yes yes so i mean awesome. and, and again on my list i you know i didn't exclude people who passed away i know you did so jeff hanneman who is no longer with us i had him on the wall. um and it's funny i think every category i'm looking now everybody has somebody well the drummers they're, they're all still alive but my bass player um you know here's a little uh note here the bass player and lead guitarist i do have somebody who passed away so um Okay, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we'll get to those later. Um, so, so yeah, I'm fine. Like, if you want to go right to James and Scott, or if you want to, I think right because to, we have them, because we have yeah. them duplicated, I think we'll go straight to James and Scott in this particular yeah. instance. So, yeah. um, knowing that, so James and Scott, I, mean, I forgot who it was, and I had mentioned this to 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 Chris. I think it was. Okay, I think it was. Scott Ian in an interview or somebody was talking about rhythm guitar players and he said okay. that the two best right hands in metal are James and Scott. Right? Okay. And, there and we go. Okay. you know, they 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 basically, for lack of a better thing, you know, you want to call it introduce down picking to the world, you know, and have some of the fastest oh, yeah. right hands, you know, out there. Um, and a lot of people, you know, like they'll, they'll make some sort of sexual connotation to the right hand joke, but (laughs) quite honestly, in, in the conversation we're having, it's all about the metal guitar playing. And so I I personally am partial to James, uh, just because I'm a huge Metallica fan, but I respect the crap out of Scott because he is all over the place and he is fighting every day for the life of, 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 of anthrax and, and, and he loves to do other stuff as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And to, to follow up with that, like, I agree with that with Scotty and like, I'm on, you know, I follow him and I see a lot of his videos and he's, and I think what you said, there's perfect. He's fighting like every day for that band, make sure they're staying relevant, uh, which they still do 45 years later. And I think what's great about this too, is that with the two that we picked mostly, these guys are, these two are two guys that came together in their early twenties and they, you know, when Metallica got signed to Megaforce, they come to New York and they're like living out of the basement with like Scotty, like the band Scotty and they're all living together, you know, like on the floor, sleeping on, you know, mattresses and carpets and everything else and playing gigs in New York. And these guys came up together, which is really cool when you think about it. Like these guys came up through the filth, the grit and everything and, and working their, tails off to get where they are uh and you know i think that's says a lot about them too i just like to you know i just want to explain say that as well because i think that's important that you have two that we picked that are guys that like you know 
I respect the hell out of both of these guys and what they do for their bands. Um, I'm a huge, obviously, Metallica is probably my favorite band of all time as, since I was 10 years old, 11, 12 years old. And um, I'm partial to James, too. I, I think they're both phenomenal. But if I had to probably choose one, I'm probably choosing James. Um, I think they both are phenomenal. Both are great at down picking. I just remember specifically, I remember watching when, it's funny, just like when um, the Black Album came out, and I remember just specifically watching, I was like, I don't know, 14, 15 at the time, and I remember watching the video for Sabbath True, where them playing live, and when he's playing that part in Sabbath True, and like, it's like, dun, dun, and then it stops, and he's picking it again, and he's singing at the same time, at that time, I thought, at that age, I'm like, wow, that's so awesome that he's able to do that, and just like, put put his brain to his hand and do all that. I just remember like specifically when I was that age, like looking at that, I'm like, that's super impressive. And I'm sure he does so many more impressive things than that. But to me, that wasn't at the time of my age, I was like, that's super impressive. So I just, that always sticks to me when I think of uh, James. And um, so I would go with James as well. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, it, it's a tough one. I mean, everyone that we picked um, is, is just excellent. You know, I mean, we picked eight people and all of them are excellent in their own way. I mean, obviously Dave Murray, you know, I mean, everyone knows <laughs> Dave Murray's yeah. been pretty much, he wasn't uh, the first guitar player in Iron Maiden, but he was the one who lasted the longest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, he even quit and came back. You know, it was a short, it was a short while that short, he quit. But, short, really quick quitness, but he, he did right. quit. And he's the second longest tenure guy in the band now, right? So, exactly. Um, um, so yeah, I agree with you there. Um, and I think we can argue for all these guys, Eric Peterson, you know, of course, excuse me, and Jeff Hanneman, who's, who was just phenomenal for Slayer. I mean, just a powerhouse guitar player. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think we made a good choice and I think, I think that's a good, good one to go by. All right. James Hetfield, cool. rhythm guitar player. All right. All right. So we're going now to lead guitar players. And, all right. Um, so I went first last time, so it's your turn to go first. My turn to go first. Okay, no particular order again. I'm going to go Tony Iommi, as we know from Black Sabbath. This guy has passed away. I know your list doesn't have any deceased people, but I'm going to tell mine. Dimebag Daryl. Kirk Hammett. John Petrucci. Little wild card there. He's a little progressive for metal. And this one, Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. Uh, those are my five. And That's an interesting five. <laughs> I, I tell you, you know, because you know what's funny? Um, I didn't think of Dimebag only because I was trying to think of living players. Um, yeah, yeah. I... I, I I didn't think of Petrucci, although you know there's a whole line of of, of guitar players that are right along that Petrucci um, was a lot branch, yeah. if you could yep. say, hundred yeah. percent, exactly. And and one of the guys that that is in in that line is um, Chris Broderick, who played with uh, Megadeth. Yeah, yep, and unbelievable. And it's funny, and, and I'll talk about it now in a second when I when I mention who my five guys are. But Mustaine, I didn't pick him, and I think it, I know it, why. So here's the I think I know why. <laughs> Before you say that, Chris, <laughs> Chris, Chris is going to sit there and say, "Oh, I know why." But <laughs> go ahead and tell me your reason. Because he's arrogant. <laughs> he's, an arrogant he's an arrogant prick. We all know this. 
Right? I mean, is that the reason why? That is a huge reason why. I mean, is that part why. of the reason why? Yes. Because like, he's somebody who would, would he cause problems in the band? Look, he's going to be playing with James Heffield again. So <laughs> what the hell, right? So, But he well, wants to play I, with James. I, he wants exactly, to. Well, exactly. I mean, me and my wife joke around how every day the, the, there's a website we follow, The Pit. They have an article about Dave Mustaine, about Megadeth and Metallica all the time. I'm like, dude, get over it. It's been 40 years. You're in a very successful band. Get over it. But the reason I have him on my list, sorry, I will say real quick, is he is phenomenal at what he does, and he's been unbelievable for 40-some years. And he had that issue where he couldn't play for a while, then he got right back on the horse and, like, still could play. So, I, but that's funny. I don't know if that's the, that, the that's, whole reason that is, you didn't choose That's him, not the whole but reason. But I feel like that's part of the that's reason. That's a huge reason. And it's okay. funny because Chris Chris is probably, you know, when he listens to this, he's probably going to be sitting there shaking his head going, yes, <laughs> that's exactly why. Because yeah. him and I, he's more partial to Megadeth. Uh-huh. And I'm more partial to Metallica, right? But yeah. I always defend Metallica, and you know, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a defender. I'm, you know, yeah. But yeah. at the same time, I try to be because I know we do this show. I know that um, you 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 want to be as impartial as possible. So I try to sit back and I sit there. Does Metallica actually go out of their way to ever mention or talk about Mustaine? No. No, they don't. On the flip 100%. side, on the unfortunate part of Mustaine's life is that every time he does an interview, they always bring it up. And so it, it, it's unfortunate. Yes, but I agree. you would think after 40-something years that you would grow up and you would sit there and say, okay, you know what? Enough with the Metallica questions. I'm here to talk about Megadeth. Right? Yeah. But he doesn't do that. No, he has to go back down that bitter pathway and always talk about how they fired him, they stole his songs, they did this, they did that, you know, and I went ahead and I made a better band. And I'm like, okay, great. But do you always have to sit there and tout yourself, you know, like... The, this, I agree 100%. This, yeah. just I do, I, I, and I agree with that. And that's, and, that, and that's why, and that's why I, I agree, but it was so hard to not keep him off, not have him on the list. And especially like you said, how these conversations, like they invited him to play in the the, the, the 40th anniversary shows that they played in. Mm-hmm. He played in those shows with them. It was awesome to watch. He played on the big four with them and jumped on stage with them when they played. And like, you feel like, you feel like that was like the point to like, you know, let it go. Right. Let's, let's let it go. Cause like you said, I think you made a perfect point. They don't ever talk about it. It's always him. And again, it's not his fault that people ask questions because they're going to ask him questions because they like the needle too. They know if they needle oh, him, he's going to say yes, stuff. Exactly. So, but you know, I don't want to get sidetracked off our list, but that's, that's <laughs> like, you know, but we could probably go on days. Oh, that, this, we're, we're doing another show on that one. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so anyhow, um, all sorry, right. If you want to give me your five. So yeah. my, my lead guitar players, and it's funny, we do not have any crossover. Wow. Um, okay. Whatsoever. Um, but there is okay. some similarities. Okay. So, okay. Um, my number one, Mark Tremonti from Alter Bridge. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we just saw him uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, yep. At live, I got to tell you this, Mark Tremonti. So, so we were watching it, and and I went with um, Chris, and I went with um, my my wife's cousin. Uh, his name is um, Tomas. He's okay. a guitar player. He he's he's relatively accomplished, you know, um, but uh, he. You know, he was super excited to see, and he did not realize that Miles um, Kennedy was a guitar player. So um, I said, yeah, he, he is. He goes, no, he's not just a guitar player. He's a good guitar player. Yeah. He said he's so good that he looks like he's not even trying. 
Like it was just effortless coming on. I mean, just the fingers flowing, flying back and forth. He did a couple of leads on a couple of songs and it yeah. was like nothing to him. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, the one word I used to describe Mark Tremonti after the show was over was ferocious. That dude is is all in on his guitar playing. And it's not like it's it's not a, a a negative. He's such a good guitar player. And it comes across effortless, but at the same time, you can see that he is just so into it. It's yeah. fer- it's the oh, yeah. word I use was ferocious. Yeah, he's- He's phenomenal. And so it, they, they're that. two contrasting styles. And I told, I told Tomas, I said, just so you know how accomplished a guitar player Miles Kennedy is, Slash asks him for advice when they're recording together. And right. Miles yeah. turned around the first time he asked him, Miles says, but you're Slash. And he goes, yeah, <laughs> he goes, but you know how to play guitar. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's just one of those weird, funny things, you know? Yeah. All right, so Mark Tremonti. Uh, Number two for me, uh, you might not know who this is. Uh, The guy's name is Andy Gillian, and he is the former lead guitar player and programmer for the band um, Moore's Principium Est. And Chris is 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 the guy who turned me on to them, and they're – last album before they broke up or not broke up before he quit and then they the the original guitar player singer brought almost okay. the original band back um was a really really cool song and um i gotta tell you all about it when we when we hang up here after the show but we'll, i'll tell you some more about more specific okay. another time all right number Absolutely. three for me adrian smith from iron maiden there you go uh number four kiko loreiro from megadeth Yep. And uh, last but not least, uh, the lead guitar player for the Haunted Ola England. Okay. And I yeah. don't I don't know if you know who he is, but I follow him on um, on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff, and he's really good guitar player. Um, I really okay. like some of the stuff that the Haunted did early on. I got you know Chris turned me on to them, and so seeing him and, and seeing his personality, he has like um, the Budweiser dog. Um, I forgot. Okay. I forgot. He has that's like Spuds. His, yeah, Spuds, he, that's that's his yeah. dog, and so he's playing. In, <laughs> he's playing guitar sometimes, doing shooting a video. All of a sudden, the, the dog will come in and like jump on his lap yeah. or get in the way of the video and stuff like that. So he's a really yeah. cool dude. Um, so okay. I put, I put him on there because he's a very good and accomplished guitar player. He actually, I, listen, I do, I do know the Haunted. Um, I don't, I'm not familiar with him as much, but I do know the Haunted. So and I've heard some other stuff, but I, you know, now I know the name, the name of the mm-hmm. guitar player from the Haunted. So. Uh, but I'm familiar with everybody. Uh, Andy Gillen, Gillian, I'm not aware of, but I want to hear some of his stuff. But obviously, I know Kiko and Adrian and, and Mark really well uh, and listen to a lot of their stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, yeah, we have 10, 10 choices here, so this might take a little bit yes, longer. Yes, so I, I can sit there and say, from my list, I can, we, we can knock out, only because we don't know him very well, we can knock out Andy. Um, okay. Uh, I think from your list – just because he's probably not going to fit the vibe, uh, okay. Petrucci would probably um, be yeah, able to, to knock out. And one thing I was going to say about him is just, you know, like you said, he falls in that. Like he, if people don't know him out there, have never heard of him, to please listen to some of their stuff, Dream Theater, and even his, his solo stuff. He is, you know, regarded as one of the top five, ten guitar players in the world. And, um, you know, and, and it's obviously an opinion, right? We all have our own opinions. But please listen to him. And I think you'll be very excited to hear what he can do and what he does. I've seen them live several times and he blows me away every single time what he does um, and what he comes up with. 
and the time signatures he comes up with and everything else and how he, he's just he's, he's just phenomenal so so i'm good i i do agree with you there um so let's uh let's take off john and um andy right you said yeah okay so then we're down to eight do you want to i can remove one you remove one on our own do you want to do that or? yeah sure okay um so i'll remove oh man don't remove Mustaine just yet. We're going to talk about I'm not, him. I'm not going to remove him. I'll be, honestly, I'm going to remove Kirk. I'll remove Kirk. Okay. That's, that's a tough one for me, but I want to remove him. Um, so okay. I, I think in, in, in the case of Kirk, removing him, um, he, he is the master of his instrument, but are there people that are that much more skilled? Yes. Um, but he, you know, he is the king of the wah-wah pedal in metal. Yo, yeah. You know? Yes, he is. He so, is. Uh, you know, I, I, I understand okay. you, you taking them off. Um, yeah, I would say in my thing only because we don't know a tremendous amount about him. And this is not to say anything against anybody who comes from that region of the world, but there are some amazingly talented gu- guitar players and musicians in general in Scandinavia, Eastern Europe, oh, Europe, yeah. all that. I mean, there's a lot that we as Americans do not know. Um, mm-hmm. because we're either limited or we just go down our own road and we don't want to expand. But I, I'm yeah. thankful to Chris for showing me a lot of these, these, these musicians, um, you know, other, even watching that metal show with, you know, uh, what's his name? Yep. Um, Don, Eddie Trump, uh, Eddie Trump, but it was, it was yeah. Don Jameson, you know, kept yeah. talking about Amon Amarth and Amon Amarth and Amon Amarth. Oh, yeah. I finally gave yep. him a chance. And, you know, the vocals sometimes can be a little, uh, leave me a little undesirable at, especially the early stuff. Nowadays, it's a little bit more listenable. Uh, I like the stuff, you know, the last three albums from them. So, um, yeah. but you know, someone will sit there and say, Oh, you're not really an Amon Marth fan. You don't like the early shit. I like the early shit. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just it, I yeah, like the, the newer stuff. As, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I can, I, I, I'll, we'll, we'll take off Ola off of this particular okay. list. Um, so that okay. knocks me down to three left. So we both have three left here. So, I think from here, from here, do we have you knock one off mine and knock one off yours type thing? Um, we can. We can do that. that? Um, I mean, what do you think? Uh, all right. So what I was let's let's talk about Kiko and and and, and Dave. So okay. they're currently so in they're, the same so band. Currently in a band. Together. Exactly. Yeah, they're okay. both in a yeah, band yeah. together. Um, Kiko is the one who plays probably more leads than Dave. Um, yeah. Dave. Okay. In my opinion of Dave's guitar playing is that he is excellent. He's yeah. he's a master technician when you look at it that way. He's very pres- pre- precise. Very you know, the precision word comes up a lot for me with him. I, that's why I thought him and him and Chris Broderick worked really well together because they were mm-hmm. very very technical yeah. in that regards. You know, um, but I love Kiko because Kiko has that flair, has that style, has that soul behind his playing that I think was always missing in Megadeth. And that's a, a big reason why I like a lot of what Megadeth does now. Even though you, sometimes you don't hear it, you can't really notice it. But when you listen to the older stuff, when Kiko plays it, it just has a little bit of a different vibe to it. Yeah. And, and Dirk, too, helps that out. You know, Dirk's Yeah, playing. he's great. So. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I Like somebody who, like, you know, spoiler, just missed my list was Marty Freeman, actually, um, and who is a negative as well. 
And I felt like he had the same thing, the soul. I felt like he had something that brought something to the band. But, you know, he's not on my list, but he was close to it. So that's, I, I hear you there. And it's funny you say that. Um, it's funny because I really recently read an article on, on Dave talking about when Kiko joined the band and everything else. And, and he's talking about the rhythm and the lead pieces and how, you know, he'll take, when he wants to be more like technical, whatever, he's going to take the rhythm side of it and, and lead the leads to Kiko and other that nature. I was literally reading that article a couple of days ago before we even talked about this. Um, and it made me think about that. Like, you know, it made me think of, cause Dave does rhythm and he does leads, you know, and, you know, and I think back of more of the older days when, you know, he was with Marty and even Jeff Young and those guys. And, and he would take, you know, depending on what they were playing or what was going on, he would, he would maybe take the lead. Obviously it's his band. We know this, right? He would do what he wants, but, but I think he, he was, he would take the rhythm when he thought it was necessary to take the leads when he thought he needed to take the lead. So, so uh, this is a tough one for me. Just, um, I, I, if you're choosing to lose him off my list, no, not yet. Name. Not yet. Okay. Okay. Um, so I mean, we're down to six. So we need to, we kind of need to um, figure it in, out what in, we're going to do here. In all, in all honesty, off your list, the first person I'm going to take off your list is going to be Tony. Ooh, and man, the re- and the reason being, okay, when you think about it, think about the guitar players we have on here, and we're talking about he's Matt. the riff master. He's he, the riff. He is master. the riff master. He is the riff master, <laughs> and he. But when you think about his okay. guitar playing, I mean, his guitar playing progressed over the years and became much much better. And yeah, and, and like Chris and I always talk about when they did Heaven and Hell, they mm-hmm. became a heavy metal band. Oh yeah, okay? they were so they were a blues hard rock band that created heavy metal, but they became a metal band when they recorded heaven and hell. And, and a lot of people will probably sit there and slap my opinion, you know, but I, that's the way I yeah. feel about it. You know, um, yes, they were heavy, but were they, I mean, like they did so many other things in, in the, in these albums. Like, like you think I about changes, you. like look at like a song like changes. It was piano yeah. and Ozzy singing. That was it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and that was at a. But really, the thing about it is, like, for that, if you, if you, uh, the thing about it is, is like when they, when they came out, like there really wasn't metal yet, right? You know, you had Led Zeppelin, you had some other thing, but they, like, they were the, quote unquote, inventors of metal, and that was what metal was back then, and obviously it progressed as the years went, and they kind of fell, they still fell in the metal realm, and yes, they had a ballad once in a while, like changes or whatever. And, you know, and then they, and then, you know, it's fast forward to he- heaven and hell, which I agree with you. That was fast. It ripped. And it was just like from front to back, that album is just phenomenal. Right. And, but I even love the stuff before, of course, with Ozzy and everything else. And I've always deemed them metal, even though when you think about it now in 2023, is it, you know, it's the different metals different now. Right. Exactly. And so, Basically, we're saying it. Every music progresses, and and you know, in, in every genre, and so it's so. I still think they were. I mean, you might disagree. I still feel like they were metal then, before Heaven and Hell, but it was just a different type because that's what metal was. You know what I mean? That's, that's right. No, I, I, I totally that. understand yeah. that. Same as like yeah. you know, when you think about Kiss, you know, yeah. Kiss was hard and Kiss was heavy in a lot of cases, but then they would turn around and they would do a song like. Uh, 
you know, then she kissed me. She do it. They do a cover of then she kissed me, or they, you know, then they released yeah. Dynasty and it was, they were a disco band and all that stuff, you know. So then they did the Elder, right? And then they did the Elder, and you know, I like I like the Elder. So let's, <laughs> but and I've and I've admitted that on the show, you know, because I'm I'm partial to the Elder. I I was there when it came out, and I defended yeah. the crap out of it as a as That's a as an 11 year old. But there's there's <laughs> nice. a whole there's a whole other side to that. But anyhow, yeah, um, but anyway, yeah. Sorry. But the reason I picked Tony um, is because. I, okay. I feel that these other guitar players would would probably fit better as a perfect metal type band guitar player than Tony. So that's okay. that's my choice. All right, you're gonna take Tony off. Okay. Um and then you still have Adrian, Kiko, and Mark. Right. Um man, it's tough for me. I think, to be honest, I think I am oh man, it's probably between Mark and Kiko for me. So if you want to argue for either one, and I can tell you who I'm going to choose. Yeah, I mean, you kind of gave me an argument for both already, to be honest. I mean, um, yeah, I gave an argument for Mark because he's just an amazingly talented guitar player. Um, Kiko, I, I, I mean, I personally think he's he's really, really, really good. Um, I do too. And I mean, it's funny because how do you get better than Chris Broderick? And then all of a sudden, Kiko Larrero shows yeah, up. That's true. Know? Kiko's great. I follow him on uh, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. And I watch all his video, like playthrough videos. I, mm-hmm. I love watching Kiko. I do. I watch a lot of his I stuff. I mean, then so, like, like Chris Adler phenomenal. joins as a drummer and he, he, oh, he, he, uh, he, he recommends Dirk and, and, you know, and Dave's like, he's better than that. You know, it's just like he, amazing. I know. It's, yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm going to take Kiko off. I know you just talked about him, but I think I'm going to go Kiko. So I think we're down to four. We're down to Mark, Adrian, Dave, and Dimebag. So I think that's our – I guess we got our lead guitarist. We have a band with four lead guitarists. All right, we're done. You know <laughs> you know we have four lead guitar players, so we're done. We don't, oh, we don't have to choose. The Leonard Skinner of metal. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know, I there's a lot to be said about Dimebag on this list. I tell you that. Yeah, I love Dimebag. I know he's deceased, and I know that, that was kind of no. It, that was that was my know, thing, that's not like, that's and that's not thing. a requirement. My fight for him, I'll be honest, is like a lot of players, even before he passed, and it, like they look even now, they look up to him, and they like they idolize what he did, and the riffs he came up with, and the grooves he's come up with. Um, and I mean, you hear a song, like you hear, you hear his guitar, you know, it's his guitar. Like, you know, it's him. Like you could close your eyes, listen to it and be like, that's Dimebag. Like, you know, it's such uh, a sound. It's like his sound and nobody else has it. And there is something about it. Like it's just, and the riffs he comes up with and the grooves and everything. And it's like, he was the, he was the soul of that band. I felt like, um, and like, the heart and soul of it and, and of Pantera. And I mean, I'm so glad that they're out on the road. I know a lot of people agree or don't or disagree, but I am happy there. They are uh, going out and celebrating the music of Pantera with the two of the original members still. And then of course, Zach, who's playing the guitar and I, we all know is a phenomenal guitar player and Charlie on drums from Anthrax. But, um, so that's my argument for Dimebag. Like, honestly, is like, just, there's some, I don't know, like he is just, no, you know when when you when you car. mentioned Dimebag, I was kind of like, man, Dimebag, you know, and I'm <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. damn, how did I, you know, and it wasn't, I, I didn't do it on purpose that I didn't want anyone who had passed away, but yeah, I said yeah. let me let me keep it that way, and I never thought about it because I knew he passed away, but 
you know, quite honestly, I have no problem putting him as the lead guitar player for this band. Oh wow! Oh, you're you're, you're jumping. Right I'm, I'm jumping. I'm jumping straight through. Wow! Oh, I love it. I love that. <laughs> so if, you. if you're good with it, because you know, I'm Mustaine's sorry. an asshole. Uh, He's gonna fucking fight with James. With well, <laughs> let me think. Let me put Dave. Dave. You know, you know, you know, Dimebag, he's going to hang out and have a good time with the band. You know, that's all he's about is having a good time. So, exactly. You know, I, th- I think they'll get along great. But even um, even Mustaine wrote a song and included the, the phrase Black Tooth Grin in the did. song. So He absolutely did. That's a nod to, that's to a good, Dimebag. That's, that's a great uh, trivia call out there, and I appreciate that. Yeah, he did write a line for Dimebag in there. So I think that's great. All right, so we have... Our singer, lead, and rhythm guitar players. Pretty, All right. So now we pretty good, move man. on to bass players. And All right. so I get to go first this, this time. Yeah, you go first this time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So my bass players in no particular order. And this one was, was really hard because much like I did not include Bruce because of his particular style of singing, I yeah. did not include Steve Harris because of his Ooh. particular style of bass playing. Ooh. Okay. And because he's bossy. <laughs> oh. okay. now, I, I love Steve to death, but he is. Hold on, hold on. You think you don't think James is bossy? <laughs> but remember, James has James Lars. Has- James James has Lars, so they cancel each other out. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there. But I don't think James, because the thing about James is, if you read the interview or saw the interview recently, where he thinks that everyone in the band are just mediocre players. But together they, they they're phenomenal. Okay, yeah, so I, I mean, for someone who thinks he's mediocre, but yet everyone else considers him to, you know, to be the best rhythm the guitar best. player in the world, yeah. you know, it, yeah. that tells you right there. But yeah. anyhow, okay. I I, yeah. I only left off Steve because he has such a unique style of playing that yeah. uh, it fits what they do. I don't know if it'll fit something else. Um, okay, and and then think about it. I mean, uh, what's that? What's the name of the British Lion? I mean, you can't yeah. tell that he's the bass yeah. player, but every so often you can hear it in his song. So anyway, yeah. okay. Um, I picked James Lomenzo from Megadeth. Oh, yeah. Uh, I picked Rob Trujillo from Metallica. Yeah. Frank Bello from Anthrax. Yeah. Mike Inez from uh, <laughs> Alice in Chains, yeah. and yeah. St- and I love to make fun of this guy's name, but um, it's okay. Steve DiGiorgio from Testament. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I, I always uh, I always call him like Steve DiGiorgio Greggy Rino or something like that. I always mess up his name on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's funny. That's a great list. It's funny because three of those names I considered, but aren't on my list. But I consider like they were in my list, like my my top eight or ten list uh, that were so close to making it. It was close. Um, so for me, I have Tom Araya from Slayer. I have Geezer Butler. I do have Steve Harris, <laughs> and I have him doing the I have him doing the whole uh, shotgun, you know, drum the bass thing he does. Um, <laughs> I have rest in peace Cliff Burton, of course, and I have Justin Chancellor from Tool. Um, and again, he's one that you know doesn't fall into the metal world, but I think you know he's somebody who just is phenomenal, plays great. His tone is unbelievable. Uh, you hear him play, you know it's him. And I think you hear all five of these guys play, you know you know it's them. So I think your list is great because I consider Trujillo, I consider, consider Bello, and I consider Inez. Uh, all three of those guys. Like, they were they were in my, like, conversation. So 
I um, I chose Cliff because I just think he's. I personally, I mean, I'll just go right to the top. I think he's the greatest bassist ever. I know he didn't play very long. He only he died when he was 25, 25, 26. And, you know, he's only on three albums for Metallica. Obviously, he was on, um, he was on To Live Is To Die, the one song on, uh, on Injustice. Uh, but to me, uh, I just, I don't know. He's, what he did, and again, kind of going to feel with uh, what I said um, earlier, is, we're dying back. Like there's so many bassists out there who look up and say, you know, Cliff is the guy that got me to where I am. And he's done so much for me as a player. And this is sound like for him, the bell tolls when he plays that beginning part, like you're like, that's a guitar. I mean, that's a bass. Like that's a bass playing. It's just, you never heard that back then. Like that was, that was so new. And you never heard that sound from a bass. I don't know. There's something about it. And anytime I hear that song, it's just like it, it, you know, it's just, unbelievable so that's you know i'm just arguing for cliff right away i guess but like all of them to me are good and i and i think all yours are great as well um that you chose i mean there i think but again we have 10 different bases well so so here's the funny thing about the 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 10 bass players we have i am with you on cliff um i know justin i love tool sound um yeah I, i the only thing i can think of and this is really weird so a lot of people don't like bands to progress. You know, a lot of people couldn't stand when Metallica did fade to black on, on Ride of Lightning. They, they said yeah. Metallica sold out. But, you know, Ride of Lightning is considered one of the greatest metal albums. You know, Master Puppets considered, you know, the greatest metal album of all time. Um, you know, Kill 'Em All, number one thrash album of all time. Whatever you want to call it. You know, those types of things, right? But each one of those albums progressed better and better, right? And then they got yeah. to Justice and then, you know, the Black Album. We all know the story. And they progressed. Yep. A, a ton of people sit there and say, oh, I wish they would have stayed the same. Okay? So here's yep. a band. Think about this. Slayer stayed the same the entire time. Right? They did. They Absolutely. Did. I mean, Absolutely. there's a big difference between the first two albums and then you go, you, you <clears> jump <throat> to Rain and Blood. But from Rain and Blood forward, they barely changed. You know, uh-huh. they slowed it down for South of Heaven. They sped it back up to be in between Rain and Blood and South of Heaven when they when they released Seasons. And from there, it was basically, they were the ACDC of Thrash. They didn't change. Yes, you know? I 100% agree with that. Testament had its, had its ebbs and flows, but for the most part, they the last 15 years would have not changed much. Okay? Yeah. So yeah. when you look at, at, at Tool... Tool, the last three albums, you know, which is, encompasses 20 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you think Metallica takes a long time to put an album out. Um, yeah. So they, the, 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 the sound is virtually identical on all three albums. Um, yeah. Musically, I think they've progressed a little. They're even more progressive on this last album. Yeah, um, I agree. But yep. um, in, in all honesty, they, they're so out there and they're so cool. In, in, the, in the way they are that yeah. you know they're cool tool um, they they haven't yes they got more progressive but sound wise they're almost identical so that what I was getting at with that is that there's a there's a thing about you know where people want bands and music to progress and then there are times where you don't and I think tool is one of those where I would like to see them do something different. Okay. You know, say, you know, think outside of their own box, which is already outside of the box. You know, yeah. because Tool is nowhere in nowhere near the inside of the box. But I think even being so far outside of the box, I think if they went in the box, they would be so yeah. different 
that it would be funny. Yeah, it would be. So I'd be interested to hear something like that. I'm that, so yeah, I get what you're saying there. So I in do. that particular case, that yeah. that that would be one reason why I would I would negate Justin. But okay, regardless of that, I am totally with your your argument on Cliff. Um, and I you know I agree with you because of his lasting impact because of his abilities that everyone sat there and said yeah. were absolutely amazing. I, I would go with Cliff too. Think about that. Like you've heard the lasting impact he's had. Like, think about that. Like he died in 1986. Mm-hmm. Right. And how many years, if I can add quickly, 96, 2000, that's like 30, 40, 37 years ago. 37 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Like crazy. If you think about it and he still comes to the top people's mouth and says, this guy, it's like John Bonham with drums, right? Everybody says he right. was like, you know, he, and he died in 1980 and he was very young. Uh, and like, so it's like, to me, that says a lot about somebody. Um, and I'm not saying it doesn't say about anybody else, but I think that's, that's important. Um, and I think all of our bass players are, uh, are worthy of being in the band. I mean, I, I do. Um, I mean, is, is there anybody you're thinking in yours or you're saying go right to Cliff? Are you just saying you're cool with Cliff? Or you I'm, want I'm cool with Cliff. I mean, the next two, yeah. the only two out of my list that I really would bend over backwards to try and defend would be Steve yeah. DiGiorgio and, yep. and Rob Trujillo. And the reason I put I, I put Rob Trujillo in that, in that, uh, that line is because he's the one for the band that came closest to Cliff, right? And yeah, he's the one guy who... You know, like he was talking the other day about what his role is. He finally did background vocals the other day. I was watching, I read that article. Right. Yeah. And he's talking about, you know, this is a great opportunity. And, and, you know, but he, all he does is my job is to make this machine go. Right. Yeah. But when, when you listen to what he does, and if you, when you, and you've seen him in concert, you hear that rumble in the background. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you feel and hear his presence. Okay. And yeah. if you remember him from Suicidal or if you remember him when he would yep. play with Black Label, when he played with Ozzy, Ozzy I mean, yeah. there's, there's a reason why he played with all these guys because he was you know an independent guy, but he found yep. a home with Metallica and he is a perfect fit for that band. And, okay. and so yeah. that would be my biggest reason to defend him because he's so, to me, he's one of these guys who's pliable. He can do anything. You know, he can play the yeah. funk, he can play the metal, he can play with a pick, he can play with his fingers. So, and then the Giorgio, obviously, you know, he's a fretless bass player. He's, he can play anything. Yep. He played on the latest Megadeth album, you know, but I, I think when it, uh, again, with your argument, the lasting right. impression that Cliff has made, you know, for me, puts him up there. All right. Uh, we'll go with that. And then, so with that, I'm just going to have to say to my friend, Adam White, when you listen to this, sorry, buddy. Who was he? He's, on, he's Who was number he one. He was the one I told you, said, I don't pay Cliff Burton. He's only on three albums. I'm like, you know, it was like joking through the text because that's he was the one I was telling you earlier. We were texting yesterday, right? And I didn't mention anything. I just told him about what we were doing today, and and he, uh, it was just funny. He's like, "What well, don't be booting a clip right now?" He's only on three albums. I'm like, dude, you'll be surprised what I say. Just you'll listen to the conversation. He's only on so three albums, but the lasting impression, yeah, is what so, matters. Adam, good job. And guess anyway. what? Randy Rhodes uh, was only on two albums, <laughs> and he's look at his last impression, uh, dude. Uh, phenomenal. I mean, it's not even, uh, yeah. All right, so we got we're down to the drummer, man. We're down to the beats. We got we got a band almost. Okay, yeah, so, so your turn to go you first. Want me to go? Yes. All right. This is tough for me, man. This is really hard for me. They all were hard. I'm not gonna lie, but this one was like tough. So, and I want to give an explanation on a couple of these guys, 
So I'm going to go with, I'm going to start with Dave Grohl, and I'm going to give an explanation on him real quick. Dave Grohl traditionally probably would think, you know, Nirvana, Foo Fighters. He's such a talented musician. He does a lot of side project stuff. He does a lot of heavy metal side project stuff. Like, I have some of their stuff. Um, and it's great. It, and he is super talented. And I know he's somebody, and I look at for the fitting in the band, I know he would fit in with the band. He loves heavy metal. And that's what I love about him. Like, even though he's in this rock, hard rock genre that he plays in, which is great. I love the Foo Fighters. He is somebody who fits in the metal world. And that's why I chose him as one of mine. Um, Charlie Benante, we all know from Anthrax. I think he's just phenomenal what he does. Dave Lombardo, the master of the, the double bass from Slayer and other bands, of course. Um, Danny Carey, I know, as you could say, I have a trend here with Tool, but Danny Carey is just unbelievable. He could play anything. Um, and here's one. I'm not sure if you've heard of him or not, or you know them, but Blake Richardson from Between the Buried and Me. Uh, you might have heard of the band. I don't know if you ever listened to the band, but if you have a chance, anybody out there, if you don't know them, just listen, give a shout out to the song White Walls and Fix the Air. They're just two songs. If you listen to his drumming, it's just unbelievable. He is regarded as one of the top metal drummers out there in, in that world, in the, in the more the metalcore stuff. Um, and uh, so those are my five um, that I chose on my list. Wow. And I thought and I went outside the box. <laughs> yeah. I, I have some more on my list that were really close and uh, that like one, one guy I just want to say real quick that I was telling you earlier is like, for example, like a guy like Neil Peart, I think he's one of my favorite drummers of all time, but I just don't think he fits into the metal world. So I didn't include him in my list. So something like that, but there's other guys out there that are metal that I just didn't make it because I felt like, like Dave Grohl was a question mark for me, but I felt, and I kept thinking about him. I'm like what he does and what he can do. And he fits in the metal world. He does. Like he's a metal head guy and I know he can play. So Anyway, that's that's why I had those thoughts. <laughs> so it's it's funny you 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 picked the um everyone from Tool, I think, right? <laughs> except well, oh, except, I had Adam Jones. Yeah, except, Adam Jones was on my list, and I, I was like, you know what, I can't have every Tool player, so I had. <laughs> so it's so, funny because anyway. I was really thinking you were going to have more guys from Lamb of God. I almost had Chris Adler. He was on my. He was close to my list for the drummers. Um, so, and uh, and uh, so and obviously I had Randy Blythe kind of on my list, but. I had to stop somewhere. All right. Well, for me, uh, number one was um, I picked Charlie from Anthrax, Chris Adler from Lamb of God. There you go. um, Jason Bittner from Shadows Fall. Oh, yes. I love Bittner. Um, I picked also Roy Mayorga, who played with Soulfly, Stone Sour, his original band Nausea, and most recently was with Hell Yeah before before, um, – Vinny passed away. Yep. And then number five, Gene Hoglin, who is from Dark, Dark Angel, Death Clock, and Testament. Um, okay. And he recently left Testament to to continue his Dark Angel stuff and some of his personal stuff. But okay. uh, and he left a lasting impression on uh, on Testament as well. So those are my five guys, and I I, I thought out of the box because I really really like Roy's playing on the first Soulfly album. It's just amazing some of the stuff he did. I mean, he can be tribal in that regards, and then at the same time, he could be as heavy as you know as hell yeah, and and then he can still do he can still groove with someone like Stone Sour, you know. Yeah. And we all know we all know Charlie. Um, 
He's playing for Pantera right now. Yep. Um, Jason Bittner to me is 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 my number one drummer that's out there right now. Um, when I saw his drum, uh, he put it. They did like some bonus things on on the War Within album, and he he did he they broke down uh, one of the songs, uh, "Delight That Blinds." And just the fact that he was doing something in slow, he's like, all right, I'm going to play it for you slow. Slow sounded normal, right? And then, yeah. <laughs> and then he goes in yeah, and does yeah. it real quick. And I'm like, man, that is just amazing. It just blew me away, his technical proficiency. And then now he's playing with Overkill. So we um, we saw Overkill a couple of years ago, and he was the drummer. And it's just he's just amazing. Yeah, um, and I've seen Shadows Fall a couple times, too. And he's just, just incredible stuff. So all, I've seen them four times. Dude. They're unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Yep. So, um so it's funny, it's funny, you, Charlie and Jason, just a little side note here, about a month and a half ago, I just saw them here in Philly at Glenside at this arena in Glenside, PA, not arena, a little venue called the Keswick Theater. They were doing a Rush tribute show. So this band called Why Why Not, which is a Rush cover band, came and played and they brought in special guests to play. So Jason Bittner played on drums. So they brought all these different drummers out to play because mm-hmm. of Neil and everything. So they brought out Jason Bittner, they brought out Charlie. And then on bass, Frank came out and played. Frank Bellow played. Um, it was just cool because two of your guys, one of my guys, they were part of that rush trip. And seeing Jason, I haven't seen Jason Bender play in a while. The Shadows Ford doesn't, doesn't tour as much as they used to. Um, and uh, and it was just cool to see him play some rush stuff and Charlie as well. And uh, of course, Frank uh, Frank Bellow. So, um, and Portnoy, Mike Portnoy played it as well. Mike, Mike Portnoy. Oh, Port- Portnoy is uh, a, a band whore. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> he's but, with, he was he's, close to my. He was close to my list, by the way. He's like but he's 300 bands. I, I, I love bands. I love Mike. He's, awesome. he's a great drummer. It's just so funny because he's like, oh, there's a band opening, and he just joins the band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. I met him at that. I met him right outside the, the show, like quickly. It was cool, and I tried to get a picture with him. And uh, and correct myself, Charlie was not there playing. I'm sorry, Jason was there, but fr- and Frank was there, and M- Portnoy and a couple other people were there um, at that show. Um. Okay, so we have our list. We also have one common guy. Uh, so I don't know if we go right to Charlie or we have any discussions about anybody. I mean, in quite in, in all honesty, when we were yeah. talking about it earlier, I mean, we have a common guy for a reason because we both True. think he's that good. Um, yeah. I, I will say this. Uh, we saw Anthrax recently. They had uh, Exodus open up for them. And... Uh, Black Label Society. Yeah. So it was pretty funny that, that Zach and Charlie were there together. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, Exodus, I thought Exodus sounded fine. Um, they were loud, but they were mm-hmm. they were relatively clear. Um, Black Label Society sounded great. Anthrax comes out. I've never, ever been to a show where the, where the band sounded that bad. Oh. And 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 I wouldn't say this probably if I stood oh. in another place, away from, a little bit farther back, probably away from the speakers, more center, mm-hmm. it would have sounded better. But I'm going to put it this way: they were pushing so much air with their woofers, it mm-hmm. it sounded distorted to me. Interesting. It was insane, and I didn't have I didn't have my earplugs on. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, holy crap. It, it, it sounded really, really bad to me. But I could be wrong, uh-huh. but I, I've never, ever... Because I mean, Exodus didn't sound like that to me. Black Label didn't sound that way to me. But when Anthrax came out, they pushed so much air 
with that, with those woofers. And, and, and it wasn't just the, like the bass drum. It wasn't the bass drum. It was just a combination of the bass drum with, I, I think most of it had to do with whatever bass was coming out of um, Scott and um, uh, what's his, what's the guitar player's name now from, from Shadows Fall? Uh, for, for Shadows Fall, yeah. Uh, that's, John's and I. So between their amps, they were pushing so much air with their bass and then Frankie's bass, it was like mm-hmm. just so insane, heavy, thumping, distorted sounding to me. But that's that's, that's a yeah, it's a really weird complaint. Anyhow, um, <laughs> no, because <but hey>, <laughs> yeah, you don't expect that either from them, and it could be just the way the mix was put together too, exactly, or whatever. Yeah, so, that's interesting. But I think we both have Charlie. I I like your argument on Dave. I do agree. He's a, he's a big big metal fan. He did that. What was it? Probot was a, a project of his. I was, was going to say it earlier. Yeah, you know, and then he also did the one recently, uh, Dream Widow, uh, yes. where they had that movie and it was like a metal album they put out on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Probot, that's his, his project and that was pretty good. Uh, and that's why, you know, I felt like, like I kept, like had him on list and I moved down. I was like, no, man, I, got, I think I got to put him in there because he's so talented and he's a metal head. That's what I love. He's a metal head. Mm-hmm. And he's the guy that I know if, if those four other guys were starting a band, and they said, and they all called Dave up. He'd be like, I'm there in two seconds. Oh, I'm yeah. in. Like, he would be like, I'm in. I don't think they all would be like that, but he would be almost like as a fan excited. Like, I'm in, dude. Let's do it. So, right. Exactly. But I'm not saying we choose him, but like, I think that's what I love about. Oh, no. I, I, I agree with you on, on Grohl. I mean, to the, to the point where I almost feel like, man, I can't believe I didn't put him on my list. <laughs> you know? But yeah. it, it's the thing. He's super, super talented, but. Um, you know, you look at someone like an Adler or a Bittner or even Gene Hogland. I mean, the guy Gene Hogland plays with with fifteen pound weights on his ankles just so he can you know play faster. It's like that's freaking insane yeah. when you think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Danny Carey, I mean, dude is amazing. Yeah, I, I, I you know, he has his own drums. Yeah. He makes them. He, that's they're, they weigh like a million. They weigh ten thousand pounds. Like, <laughs> it's insane. Like they're yeah. insane. Like, but no, you're right. Like he he's just. They're all great, all these guys. I mean, I love he, Danny's sound. He's got a unique sound playing the drums. Uh, I've yeah. never heard Blake. I I do know. I've heard the band between Buried and Me. Uh, yeah, check them out. Check um, them out. There's a few of those bands in the metalcore scene that it's just like sometimes I just can't get past the the consistent similarities between every band that I'm like, yeah, hey. you know, the, like yeah. there's certain bands that don't distinguish them, themselves. That's why I ended up liking. Uh, Shadows Fall out of all those bands I like Shadows Fall the most because I think they they did a, a really good job of, of ha- paying homage to um, 80s metal mm-hmm. while still sounding new in metalcore and all that stuff yeah I mean yeah. my favorite album from them is, is uh, was it um, Retribution that's, yeah that's a good I one mean, that one yeah. and, and The War Within are amazing um, so yeah, I told you to listen to the uh, other one I forgot uh, uh, which one did I tell you to listen to uh Oh, um, uh, with, oh, with idle oh, hands on it. Was Cut that of one eyes. blood? No, I'll have to look it up. I, um, I know which one. Quick, real quick, real quick. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll so, I mean, we both have Charlie on here. So the question is, do we want to keep it Charlie or do we want to argue for somebody else? The only person, the one person I thought about on your list that I thought possibly, uh, let me go back to my sheet here. The Art of Balance, by the way, is the album I'm talking about. So we could give that a little oh, right. a chance. Uh, is it Chris Adler? Because I, I, I almost had him on my list, right? And I thought about him a lot. Um, I mean, I like guys 
to Dave Lombardo, I think it would fit in perfectly in a metal band. And I, I told you, but I, if we don't choose Charlie, I would definitely be fine with Chris Adler um, as well. Um, but again, we both had Charlie, so I'm fine with that. But I, there's something about Chris Adler I just thought was is phenomenal too. Yeah, so, I, I think the fact that um, we both have Charlie just kind of says everything we need to say about it. Yeah, so let's do that then. Let's do Charlie. All right, Charlie. All right. So we have our we have our ultimate metal band. All right. So when are they, to- when are they touring? <laughs> I wish. Um, so it's hard to tour when two out of two out of the five guys are, are no longer with you. Um, yeah. but let's put it this yeah. way. Okay. So our ultimate metal band, uh, we have Charlie Benante, uh, from Anthrax on drums. We have Cliff Burton from Metallica on bass. We have a diamond Daryl from Pantera on lead guitar. Oh, you, you went you went old school. You went diamond instead of yes. dime bag. You know it's funny. It was diamond originally. It was diamond, and uh, yes. I, I, I it's funny because I wrote diamond, but I actually meant to write dime bag. <laughs> but I wrote that. <laughs> you know what? It was, it was one of those diamond. things. Diamond dime bag never ever kind of went into my head. It always stuck because the first album he was listed as Diamond. And so that's always been he that was. way. Because I always sit there and say, oh, he's trying to be like Dave, you know, Dave, uh, Ro- David Lee Roth, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Dave, yeah. So anyhow, um, <laughs> yeah. Daryl uh, from uh, Pantera on lead guitar, James Hetfield on rhythm guitar from Metallica, and who else but the metal god Rob Halford on vocals. I mean, awesome. that's a pretty damn yeah. good band, if you ask me. Yeah, man, I I'm loving it, man. I think it's I'm pretty excited to check out that band. And it, and it, I honestly, and all these guys that didn't make the list, they could fit right in, and I'd be happy with it. That's what's great about it. Except Mustaine, I mean? so. he'd, he'd be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> out of all the people, they'd all hang out. All fifty of these people would hang out, and uh, and uh, he would he would not be able to hang out. He'd be like. He'd want to run everything on the. Well, the, 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 the real, real quick story. I, I think I've said this before on the show one time. I, I met Mustaine backstage during the Clash oh. of Titans tour. And at the time, so we're walking, uh, we, me and my buddy got passes, and we realized that later on that the passes were like all access type of passes. We just yeah. were looking to get backstage to meet Allison Chains again because uh, I had met them earlier in my store. But anyhow, we were walking backstage at the Miami Arena, and um, we passed Dave Mustaine and we're like, Hey Dave, would you mind, you know, giving us an autograph? So he autographed yeah. my tour book and we're like, Hey, so how, how's the tour going? Cause I know that that, that was the last show of the tour. And okay. he, so he busts out with, well, what do you think? I, I just came off of rehab and cause then all these guys are out partying every night and I'm at, I'm inside my hotel playing PlayStation. He was so <laughs> fucking bitter. And I'm like, dude, you know, you <laughs> You know, maybe his life story over there. I know. So the the funny thing was, it's like you could have taken your wife out if you had a wife. I don't know if you had a wife or a girlfriend, but you know, you could have been banging her all night long and you know, just do your own thing. I don't know. I was just like, okay, (laughs) be bitter. But he he just wanted to be out drinking and partying, and you know, he's like all cranky about it. I also met Kerry that night too, so from Slayer. Oh, did you? Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was awesome. All right, I went to that tour. I went to that tour. Oh yeah, no, that was, that was that was actually one of my close ones to make R four, but it did not make oh, it. But it was close. There you go. All right, there so that brings us to our big four for tonight. Um, so our big four tonight is big four concert experiences. So it's basically we're going to choose our favorite four concerts, and in the, they're they're our favorite four because of the experience we had 
going to that show. So since you're the special guest, Slow, why don't you go ahead and tell me your four best. Are we doing big four? We're going to do the four. I'm going to do four. You're going to go four. I'm going to do all four of mine. All four of yours. So for me, four would probably have to be one of my very first concert because obviously it's memorable. I remember it to this day. That happened when I was 10 years old. It was in February 6, 1985. It was Kiss on the Animalized Tour. Queensryche opened up. And it was at the Arizona Veteran Memorial Coliseum in Phoenix, Arizona. And obviously why it's memorable to me, it's my first concert. I think that's important to know. Um, to be honest, being that age, 10 to 10, I don't remember everything about the set list. All I remember, one, two things I remember particularly about that show is three things. My sister buy me, the, my sister took me, who was a little older, bought me a Kiss shirt. I remember it had green sleeves, had Kiss here. You, people can't see, but you had green sleeves, Kiss, like written on the front with like almost like, because it was animalized, it had like tiger, like little streaks through the letters. And I just remember getting that shirt and like being so excited to have that shirt on. I remember before the concert going in, I remember I smelled something I never smelled before in my life for the first time. <laughs> that was the smell of pot weed. Uh, I just remember smelling that. Um, and I'm like, what is that smell to my sister? She's like, oh, it's not, you know, whatever. And <laughs> the other thing I remember particularly is when Paul Stanley was playing his mirror guitar and how it was like just the way it was sh shining across the whole venue the broken mirror guitar that he has mm -hmm. and shining across the whole venue. Just remember like how cool that was. And it, it just, it was just such a cool. And so those are the three things that stand out to me from that concert when I was 10, which was like 37 years ago. So I still remember those particular things from that day on that concert. So that's number um, four. So, so you got three yeah, better concerts. I know that's crazy, right? Yeah. There's some tough ones on here. that make it, man. I've been to a lot of concerts and I told you I catalog everything. So I, so number three, I would have to say is July 12th, 2003, the summer sanitarium tour where Metallica headlined a veteran stadium where the Phillies used to play. Um, and the headline and the, the um, opening bands, it was a, it was a little festival. It was five bands. It was Metallica. And then the opening bands were Lincoln park, Limp Bizkit, Deftones and Mudvayne. I was at, now, I was at the, the yeah. Orlando version of that show. There you go. Now the, what made that show mem most memorable is I end up I bought tickets. I remember I bought tickets on eBay to see the concert, and they were like fan club tickets, or they were some type of tickets. And when I got them in the mail, they were like they weren't like like regular tickets, like Ticketmaster. They were like black with silver on it. They had the snakes on it, like Metallica from the Black Album, and they were like they looked like special tickets or whatever. But they were fan club tickets the guy couldn't use. So there were four tickets. So during the show. I think it was during Mudvayne, to be honest. Uh, they were playing because they were the first band. We go in, me and my buddy Ryan, and we go in. And um, back then on the floor, you're on the football field. And right field was where the tunnel was and where basically backstage was. And we saw a security guard standing by the tunnel. And I was like, man, let's try to get backstage to me and my buddy. I'm like, these tickets look like they're special tickets. Maybe they'll think they're backstage passes somehow. So we start walking up to the tunnel and I just start, we flash our tickets. Like we're, we should be there. They let us back. So now we're backstage and we're like, this is awesome. So we get backstage and, and me and my buddy Ryan are walking 
through the tunnel. And next thing you know, we're kind of on the, now we're outside the stadium where the backstage area is, all the, all the buses and all everything out there. Shit you not, we see, we see Fred Durst, Robert Trujillo, um, and I'm trying to think who else. It might have been Chester from Lincoln Park. I can't remember. I, I just remember Fred and Richillo talking to each other, like four guys, like in a like a little circle. And me and my buddy Ryan are like, "Oh shit!" Like there's there's a that. And my buddy Ryan is is crazy. He's nuts. And I hope he listens to this. Um, he goes up. They're in this like circle talking, almost like like a circle, like you'd be like at a fire pit, right? Right. And your circle, you're all facing each other. He just jumps right in the conversation. And I'm kind of, I'm standing back a little bit. He goes, hey guys, what's going on? And then I just remember Fred Durst looking at him and goes, hey, what's up, man? And then they start talking for about maybe a minute, right? Just whatever. I don't even know what they're talking about. They're talking and I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then, then he, then he leaves the conversation, right? And everything kind of like the, the guys disperse. And then um, we're there just kind of walking around for a little bit. And then a security guard comes up to me and my buddy Ryan. And he goes, all right, guys. You made it backstage. You have a story to tell the rest of your life. Now go back out front and get the hell out of here. So he didn't kick us out. He like let us go back up. So the best part though, walking back, going back out, shit you not, I see Kirk Hammett riding on like a golf cart with another dude. I see him. I run up. I said, hey, Kirk, can I get a picture, man? Can I get a picture? He's like, absolutely. He was really nice. The best part about this is my picture. My buddy Ryan takes the picture. It's one of those disposable cameras forgets to put the flash on and it's like in a tunnel where it's dark. So I get the picture, you can see me and all you can see is a silhouette of Kirk Hammett. You can't see anything else. So that is the experience from that show. That's number three on my list. That was just, just that alone made it the greatest, great time, time. Just getting Kirk Hammett and just that story that I can always tell. Yeah, it's awesome. And it was a great show. Great time. Uh, number two is Woodstock 99. Now, there's probably a lot of debate on this because I'm sure people have seen a lot of the documentaries out about how people were treated there and how things happened there. And a lot of the stuff I saw and it did happen and it was awful. But I have to say the experience of being there and seeing some of those bands and seeing those lineups for the three days I was there was so surreal. And I'm going to say the most one of the most there's two concerts I had really surreal experiences. And number one, I'll tell you, that's number one. Number two is when Corn came on. At the time, I was a huge Corn fan, huge Corn fan. And I've seen them a bunch of times at that point. This is 99. And if you ever watch the Woodstock 99 videos or clips, and Corn goes on stage, and they come out to blind, and there's fireworks going off in the background and everything else, I was like right there at the stage. I was right in front. So if you look at that video, I'm right there, right in front of where Head stands, the, the singer, the guitar player Head. I'm like first row, me and my buddy Scott are right there. And like when I watch that clip now and see it, I, I get goosebumps every time I see it and just being there. And I remember being there and the fireworks are going off and you just start hearing the beginning of blind and you're looking back and I see 200, 300,000 people behind me. It was just like this crazy experience. And then just the mosh pit starts. And at the time I'm like 20, uh, it was 99. So I'm 23 years old. I was, you know, I was going nuts and it was so surreal that experience I felt like I was like looking at myself. It was crazy. It was absolutely nuts. That's and every time cool. I see, every time I see it, like I just get goosebumps. And every time I show my kids, I'm like, yeah, I was right there and show my friends. And, but it was, it was unbelievable. Like that was crazy. Um, that experience alone. And then the whole weekend was just seeing all those different bands. I mean, I saw 
Rage Against the Machine. I saw, you know, Metallica. I saw Corn, uh, Limp Bizkit, Creed, Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Seven Dust. I can name Ice Cube. Like, I saw James Brown. You know what I mean? You see all these different types of acts. Sheryl Crow. You see all these different types of acts. Uh, Jewel and whatever. And Offspring. And just, you can name them off. Like, there's so many bands I saw uh, there. Um, Brian Sense or Orchestra. Like, they were there. I'm looking at my, like, list of them. <laughs> just it's crazy. And of course, you know, and yeah, it was it was nuts. So that was number two. Um, and number one for me was, I'm sorry, the date of that was 723 through 725, 1999. It was a three-day concert, of course, Woodstock. Um, and my fourth show was on April 29th, 2016 at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Pearl Jam. And I'll tell you the reason why. So... The story behind this one is, it's a great story. So I didn't have tickets the night of the show. I didn't have tickets to go. It was sold out. Me and my buddy Tom and my buddy Dave, we decide to drive up there, tailgate a little bit, and maybe just scalp some tickets, you know, and try to get, get some tickets. So we're sitting there. We get a sub. We have some beers. It's getting close to, you know, it's about an hour before the show, hour and a half. So we start walking around the parking lot. We start walking around, asking people. And think of we have three of us. It's hard to get three tickets. You know, and it's four, right. two, you, it's hard to get three. So we're walking around, walking around. You got any, you got any, you can't find any. So we're like, God darn it. Okay. So we go back to the car. We're like, should we just go? Maybe go to the casino, play cards, do something. Like, no, we're getting in. We're going. We're going in. Okay, okay. So we're looking around. It's about 20 minutes, 30 minutes for the show. Me and my buddy Tom are walking. My buddy Dave's walking. Dave finds somebody has three tickets. We find somebody has three tickets. And now it's like about 10 minutes before showtime. He's haggling. We're haggling with this one guy. We finally agree on a price with this one guy. We paid, paid a decent amount. And I'm like, let's go. And, and, and let's, let's do about this amount. And my buddy Tom's like, dude, let's just do this amount. Come on. Let, let's give him the amount. We, we got to get in. I'm like, all right, screw it. Let's fuck it. Let's go. And we literally get the tickets. Um, we're walking in the venue. So we end up getting the tickets, three tickets. We walk in. Our tickets are literally right across the stage on the other side. You know, the hockey, it's a hockey, it's Wells right. Fargo. We're like straight across the stage uh, on the other end of the stage. We're walking down to our seats. As we're walking down, show starts. Like it was perfect timing. We're going down to our seats. So we hear one start, you know, the song once mm-hmm. from 10. They play that song. Then I hear Evan flow. And I'm like, even flow. And I'm like, I look at my buddy Tom, like, dude, are they going to play 10, all of 10 in its entirety, like straight through? Alive. Why go? So we're going nuts. They play all of 10 in its entirety to start the concert. Oh, wow. We, I have Goosebumps release, which is probably my all time favorite song. It's very emotional to me. I, Goosebumps, I every, Goosebumps everywhere when they play that. I'm like crying. Literally, I'm tearing up to this. So they play 10. From its front to back to start the concert. They've never done that ever, except one time in 1992 in like Munich, Germany. It's the only time they've ever played it front to back ever outside of the, the first time in the U.S. ever. And they've never uh, done up it to since. that point because they've done it uh, since one time in Munich, and they played it. They played the whole album one other time, but not it, not straight front to back. But they played it mm-hmm. front to back in Munich in 1992, and they played it in Philly. And the reason they did it, which is great, Eddie told the story really quickly to us is before the concert, they hung a banner up in the rafters. They had 10 sellout shows in Philly. That was their 10th sellout show in Philly at Wells Fargo. 
And he said he saw during sound check and was like, he saw Pillar Jam 10 and he's like, we got to do it. And that's, that's cool. literally, they decided that night. So nobody knew going in that they were going to be playing that. And the funny thing about this whole thing is halfway through them playing 10, my friend Tom, his friend who was at the concert, texted him and goes, dude, I guess they're going to, they're going to play all of 10. And we're like, dude, I knew that two, four songs ago, like, you're known six, <laughs> six song in, you should already know that. Right. It was just funny. So that was not my number one experience because just to see that actually happen was just amazing. So all four of those, I had a lot. I had like 10 concerts I had to kind of cut down to. Um, but those were the four probably that are like my four most gnarly concert experiences. That's awesome. Uh, Sorry that, for the long, no, that, that's long-winded a great, sessions, but great, I really wanted to tell you why they're, they're no. there's a reason why. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great, yeah. all the stories are good that go along with it. That's great stuff. I mean, yeah. uh, I have a couple similar type of stories. I mean, they're not probably as good as yours. Um, but I mean, you're, you're, those four shows are awesome. And it's funny because there's, there's a little bit of a connection to your number four, Kiss and Queensryche to my okay. number one, but I'll explain that in a minute. Oh, nice. Okay. So my number four is also Pearl Jam. Uh, we have a lot. Right. We have three similarities here, by the way. Uh, That's crazy. <laughs> uh, that is crazy. Actually. Well, it's, oh. it's actually only two, but there's one of them has a sim- uh, connection. So anyway, okay. My number yeah. four is Pearl Jam. This is the Versus tour. Uh, it is March twenty eighth, nineteen ninety four. So it's literally, you know, we're talking uh, twenty nine years ago, uh, just two days ago. It was the yeah. Bayfront okay. Amphitheater in Miami, Florida, and okay. it was. Uh, You know, the time change had just changed then. So now daylight savings time to show, I believe, was supposed to start at 7, so it's daylight. This is an outdoor venue. And at that time, I mean, Pearl Jam was at the height of their popularity, of the insane popularity that they were having. Um, You know, the coming off of 10 verses was just exploded and they came to town and everybody wanted to go. But that venue is a typical amphitheater, probably only holds about eight to 10,000 max. They, they have a very small lawn area. You okay. Well, um, I got tickets. I would say probably the only time that I've ever purposely got lawn tickets, but it was just one of those, I want to get in, I want to see them, you know, type of thing. Um, but it wasn't, I wasn't in the lawn for long. Um, okay. Because what ended up happening is that they put a fence, and you know, like for instance, if you go, if you come here to, to the Woodlands in Houston, um, to to they have an amphitheater and they have a lawn area, and okay. for the most part, most everybody is um, polite, put it that way, right? So they stand the lawn. They have they would have to jump down like a ten, not even ten feet, maybe ten foot concrete wall to get to the to the to the, the next floor, the next level, which then is the seats. Over there, it was all even. You just you were just standing in the back. Well, yeah. um, they had a fence, and people just kept pushing the fence and pushing the fence and pushing the fence, and finally the fence gave way about maybe three songs in and just trampled the fence, and people just ran to the front. I, I think I told this story recently on, on the show, and so – I'm standing there and everyone's going in. I'm like, well, why am not? Why am I not going in? So me yeah. and my buddy, we just went there and we ended up being in like tenth, twentieth row, somewhere around there, between ten and fifteen, around I don't know. We were just standing there and, and we stepped into the into the row and 
watch the show from there. And oh, that's it was crazy. Yeah. A fantastic show. I mean, like I said, between you, they're doing 24 songs between verses and 10 and a couple of <laughs> yeah. others, you know, state of love and trust and, and breath and, uh, and yeah. rocking in the free world. So things to make up, you know, the, the 24, 25 songs that they played that night. Um, insane. I mean, I never yeah. seen people go that nuts. That's and crazy. when they broke that fence down, I mean, there's nothing that security could do. Security was like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It, it was either it was either step oh. aside and get or, or get trampled. One of the two. Yeah. yeah. So that's my number four experience. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great one. Yeah. All right. So my number three experience: Anthrax, the Among the Living tour, December sixteenth, nineteen eighty seven, at the Cameo Theater in Miami Beach, Florida. That was the second concert I ever attended in Miami. The first one was also at the Cameo Theater. It was Ace Frehley and White Lion. Um, okay. but, and that experience was pretty cool too. Cause me and my, and my girlfriend, uh, that I, I had left in New York came down to visit. She surprised me. We went to go see Ace Freely and we were up against the rail dead center, Oh man. but that's, that's Ace Freely. Um, and that was white line on the fight to survive tour, by the way. Oh, okay. So yeah, it was yeah. real early, but this one yeah. anthrax. So, um, this is anthrax with Exodus again, <laughs> Exodus yep. opening up and Celtic Frost. Oh, so um, got to see you know the the one and only time I saw Celtic Frost play, and at the time I called him Celtic Frost, but I know it's supposed to be Celtic. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, so Exodus plays, the crowd is kind of normal. There's a little bit of moshing. Celtic Frost comes out there. There's a little bit of moshing. Anthrax comes out and is complete insanity. I literally, I was in the middle, probably the equivalent to fifth row in the middle. And within seconds, I found myself, I found myself floating to the left and then kind of dragging myself to the back. And I was at the back of the pit on towards the center, right? I mean, I literally did like a giant C to get to where I was at. Yeah. And it was complete insanity. Now there was a guy that the security at that time was, a little hands-on with, with a lot of things. Moshing was just new to a lot of security guards across the country. Yeah. And yeah. so a, one security guard got a little handsy with a, a couple of fans and Scott was at the front of the stage and he basically said, Hey, cut it out yelling at the security guard. So finally he, he kicks the security guard in the back of the head to get his attention. Security guard didn't like it. Takes a swing at his leg. Oh my God. The next thing you know, Scott drops his guitar. I've never seen one human being jump as far as he did, but Charlie literally jumped, standing off his drum, his bass drum, to the front of the stage and one hopped it into the audience, jumping on the security guard. No. Yes. Yeah, so Charlie and Scott oh are God. fighting with security. All of a sudden, Frankie's in there. <laughs> so they're all now, mind you, this was during Indians. So Joey had just come out with the with the with the Indian headdress. Yeah. Uh, cause it was, it was right at the mosh part where, you know, they, 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 in the video, they bring out the headdress in the video. So this is exactly what they were doing it towards the middle of the show. Cause among the living was there, they were touring on that. So they weren't really closing with that, those songs. So all of a sudden it's like, you know, the, the show stops and the band goes backstage and no one knows what's going on, but security disappeared. So, um, and there were a bunch of skinheads there, um, literally okay. like the punk skinheads and stuff like that. And then there were also punk rockers that had the Mohawks and, and all that stuff. So I would say a good five, seven minutes later, Charlie walks out and he says, Hey, we'll be back in a few minutes. We're just trying to figure some stuff out. 
hang in there. So the crowd kind of calms down at that point. So all of a sudden the skinheads disappear and they become security for the rest of the show. What? Yes. Oh so they gosh. had all these skinheads that had been moshing are now <laughs> are, are now the security at the front of the stage and the security guards, all the yellow shirts were gone. That's crazy. So security basically said, you know what? Screw you guys and left. So that's what they had to figure out. They did it. Dude, they, that is nuts. So they came back and they started from the mosh pit, the, the mosh part of Indians and continued the uh-huh. rest of the show there. So that was a pretty crazy show. That, wildest that, thing I had ever at that time, that's I nuts. yeah. At that time, I think I had been to maybe five shows or something like that. I was, I mean, yeah, I was, you were still, I was yeah, eighteen at the time, and I had gone to see a few shows in '85, a few shows in '86, a few shows in '87. So that was my number uh, wow. three experience. So number two, it's going to be Metallica: The Damage Justice Tour. There's nothing. There's no special story about this. It was February twelfth, nineteen eighty nine, at the James L. Knight Center in Miami, Florida. Yep. What made this special for me was Queensryche, one of my favorite bands, opening up. Metallica, yep. my favorite band, uh, headlining. Um, the the biggest thing that stood out to me on that, and I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you saw the damage Justice I was Tour. On that, I was on that tour. Okay, yeah, so I had seen that, them. When I saw the cold open up for them in July. Oh, 99. right, okay. July so, anyway, good. Um, yep. Just a few months earlier, I saw them at the Monsters of Rock, and they, yep. played, they had played... Um, one song, Harvester of Sorrow, on their seven-song set. Um, first time I saw Metallica, it was the first of ten times that I've seen them now. Um, and for this show, the thing that impressed me, the stage show, and you've seen it, when that light truss swings down at the end of the destruction of uh, during Injustice for All, mm-hmm. I... I I nearly shit my pants. I was like, yeah. "Oh my god!" You know, and you see it swinging, almost, and you think it's going to hit Kirk, but it really doesn't. You know, it was pretty wild. Um, so that that's a lasting memory for me because I remember it's a small venue. It's not the biggest venue in the world, so it just seemed real close. I mean, it's not close like being on the floor close, but you know, being in seats and still being able to see everything pretty close up was pretty neat. So that's my number yeah. two experience. My yeah, that num- was like an honorable mention for me. That was like right there. That almost made my list. Yep, cool. That tour. Was, seeing that's Justice Fall, it was like oh yeah, it was the craziest thing. Like you were like, oh my god, because that's the first time I remember being in the concert where I, like something like that happened. Right. Like, oh my god, that's crazy. And you thought it was gonna hit Kirk and it's falling down and like because <laughs> it swings. Anyway, it's yeah. a free swinger. It doesn't. Yeah, it, you know, know, it wasn't like like on the load tour. It kept like going like yeah, yeah yeah on the load tour they knocked it down and it kind of stopped and it was mechanical, right? But yes. this one was literally swinging. You know, and yeah. and uh, even. Like when you well, see the, the where they had the money to make sure it was a little bit safer <laughs> on, uh, on justice, they were still trying to come up. You know, they weren't, you know, they even had all the money yet, so they <laughs> just had something they had to set up every show and make sure, you know, whatever. But right, that's a great one. That's that was a great tour. <laughs> so, my yeah. number one concert experience is my first concert ever. It is uh, Iron Maiden and Queensryche at Radio City Music Hall, January 25th, 1985. And what makes it special and reason why there's a connection to your Kiss and Queensryche show is Iron Maiden had Twisted Sister as their opening act during their Power Slave tour. And Twisted Sister was was on the tail end of the Stay Hungry tour. Uh, and they weren't headlining yet. And what had happened was D or management went up to Iron Maiden's management and said, listen, we can sell out New York by ourselves. 
why don't you try and find someone else to be your opening act that that you know will be just as much of a draw but you know but we don't need to go to new york we you know you're going to get our crowd and it's not going to be good mm-hmm. so they came to an agreement with kiss and they swapped openers so for a short period of time twisted sister opened up for kiss for like a week or something like that or while they were in, in the northeast and then um queensrike opened up for iron maiden so there was a week long oh, that's crazy yeah, so there were seven shows planned for radio city they only did five because they had come back of, uh, like a month earlier or something like that from from um rock and rio the first rock and rio and so yeah. um bruce had not recovered properly and he ended up getting because you know it was really cold up in the northeast it was winter time he ended up getting a cold so th- during our show he was literally sitting down on the riser okay and just kind of like relaxing trying to catch his breath trying to um just be able to sing the rest of the show which he did so yeah that was pretty wild and to get to see queens which was at the time was on the warning tour you know for yep. their first album so that was pretty wild um and knowing the fact that that they had swapped openers with with uh with kiss during that same tour so that's why you saw queens with kiss on the same basically the same I was saying, tour. like two weeks later right right what was your date no yours was uh, a couple months later mine was jan january 25th yours no was- mine was february 6th oh i thought you i think two weeks later yeah that's well, it, crazy. I, it is a two. I, it, my two looks like an eight. Sorry, isn't that crazy though? Yeah, yeah. So like, so technically, so Kiss had Twisted Sister originally, is what you're saying? Uh, Sorry. Yes, it was Kiss and so Twisted Sister. I would have saw Twisted Sister instead of Queensrÿche potentially. If if, yeah, if it had been like a week earlier or something like that. That's no. It's just crazy how it's two weeks later, and we both saw Queensrÿche within two weeks, and you saw him in New York, and I saw him in Arizona, with two different headlining bands. That's crazy. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? That's just, that's insane. Pretty wild. That's crazy. So yeah, so that, that, that is my Iron Maiden. So now the funny thing about that, wow. that show, you know, yeah. it's indoors Radio City. I don't know if you've ever been to Radio City, but it's a small venue. It is, it is. I've never been inside of it. I've seen right. it better. It is inside. a place where they put on plays. It is yeah. a place where they put on musicals, but it's a, it's a large stage. It's a full size stage, but the, the place itself is like where they do operas and stuff like that. Yeah. So for people out there who don't who don't know what Radio City Music looks like, it's not a very big venue. And Iron Maiden brought their full sound system with them. A hundred at the time, I believe it was hundred and fifty thousand watts of sound. <laughs> you know, they they had their eight trucks or whatever it was. They put that thing inside the venue. It was so loud. Yeah. Um, I had I think uh, I did the last row on the floor. Um, okay. and it was like Rose Z or something. I can't even remember. Um, and the, the big, the, the big thing that stands out from, from that show is some guy comes up to me and that was also the first time I smelled marijuana right? okay. and some guy comes up to me, Hey man, you got mesk. And I'm like, he wanted mescaline. And I'm okay. like, I'm like, uh, no, you know, me and my buddy were just looking at each other. And then, you know, after the show, his brother picks us up and we go home, you know, but it was so loud. I mean, we yeah. couldn't hear a thing when the show was done. And then all of a sudden, you know, we hear cheering and we hear something going on, you know, from the people coming down from the balcony. And it just, people, you know, you know how concerts are. They start cheering for something. They see somebody and they start cheering and shit like that. And, yeah, yeah. And that's what it was. And we're like, what's this, this noise that we hear? Because we couldn't hear shit. It was so, <laughs> so loud. I mean, first concert. So it was quite wow. an experience. But, I mean, Power Slave Tour, amazing show. Oh, wow. 
Wow, so. that's got to be amazing. Jesus. That's unbelievable. That's great. That's a great list. So that that was that was yeah. pretty cool. Um, your 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 list and your stories are were were awesome. Um, yes, yeah, so are yours. Thank you for sharing. And a little side note on my concerts: I've caught six drumsticks at all the concerts I've been to. That's pretty. I've pretty caught, impressive, right? So, six. Yeah, I I so I got um wild wild McBrowns from Dokken. Uh, just okay. recently, I caught the stick from the drummer from Accept, and I and me and Chris were at the show together. We caught it at the same time, and we I went, to, <laughs> so we both went to to hold it up in the air, and it broke. Yeah. So he he okay. held up his piece, and I held oh, up my piece. <laughs> um, I but I got for whatever reason I collect uh, I can get picks at shows. So at that Metallica show, the the Summer Sanitarium tour in two thousand three, I got Rob Trujillo's pick. Now, mind you, that's that's just weird because it's a big open venue, a, a football oh, yeah. field. I oh, got yeah. robbed, and that that was the second of four, I think four or five shows in a row for Metallica that I had gotten a pick from them. Um, I saw them on the the Reload tour or Load Reload yeah. in in ninety seven. I had um, uh, what do I call it? I had fan club yeah. seats. Okay. And so I bought my tickets through the fan club and they had a special section for all those guys. So James sang, kind of opened up singing towards us and he yep. threw a pick in my direction. I had the first row. I literally, uh, nice. but the first two rows were closed off. So I had the first row available, but okay. first, so he threw a pick and it hit one of the, like the plastic cover. <laughs> I, no one, I guess no one else saw it. Cause I jumped by myself and landed on the yeah. seats and I was like, ow, <laughs> but yeah. I got the pick. I got that pick. Yeah. I got the one from. Uh, I got a pick from the uh, the Saint Anger tour that they did with Godsmack. Yeah. I got a pick from yeah, that I had, show. I have one from that. And then um, I believe I I did not get a pick from the Death Magnetic tour because I was sitting in the upper deck, so it was zero chance of me okay. getting a pick from there. Um, but, yeah. You know, I've gotten picks at so many different shows, especially yeah, the small venue picks. shows. Yeah, yeah, small venue show. I usually find a pick, but just got a drumstick. The odds on getting one thrown to you in the crowd, like. I got one from Silverchair when they toured back in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, Cowboy Mouth. I don't know if you've heard of Cowboy Mouth. Uh, I caught one at um, Sully. Sully from Godsmack was doing a drum solo. Right. I caught one in the crowd. Abe Cunningham, the drummer of Deftones. I caught one from him. I caught and, Queensryche when I when I saw them here. One of the I've okay. seen them here like five or six times in in Houston. And okay. me and a, a different buddy who used to work with me, him and I went and I got the stick. He so happened to be a drummer, legitimately a drummer, and he's like, uh -huh. "Dude, I'm a drummer. Can I get the stick?" And I'm like, "Sure, here you go." So I gave him, a, I gave him the stick. But I, oh, that's cool. But I met Queensrÿche yeah. um, the next tour. I met them. I did a VIP, and Scott Rockefeller okay. gave out uh, sticks with the. Uh, oh, nice. So yeah, so that was pretty. That's cool. good. And one thing I caught one time. Sorry, I don't want to get it. One thing at an Ozfest one time, somebody threw out a drum, like a drum skin. And I caught oh, the drum cool. skin. I don't even know what the band was. It was like opening. I forgot the band. So then at Ausfest, they did a lot of signings all the time there. Mm -hmm, yeah. So I was a big fan of Killswitch Engage. I had all of them sign it. And then I had Jason Newstead sign it when he was playing with Voivod. So oh, wow, I met cool. Jason Newstead and he signed it. was cool. It was cool. I had them all sign it. Um, but it was a good time. Good experience. But no, thanks for sharing your experiences. I, I loved it. And uh, I'm glad uh, I got to share mine as well. Great. Was, well, thank you for lot. sharing your experiences. And yeah. so. Yeah. Folks, that's our big four concert experiences for tonight, and that brings an end to this episode of Debating Metal. Chris, I want to thank you so much for joining me this week. Uh, I, I, we wouldn't have had an episode without you, so thank you so yeah. much. 
Oh man, I I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I think it was a great conversation. And I mean, I'd be back, happy to come back anytime you need me for anything. So I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I love it. It's a good time. All right. Well, with that said, please like or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can get our latest episode on your favorite device every Monday when it drops. And please leave a comment or send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or if you want, you can send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. YouTube viewers, click subscribe and ring the bell to be notified when we post a new episode. And finally, remember to check out the next episode when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Glow. And myself, stay safe and always turn it up to 11. See ya.